Well, hey there, and welcome to Live It Out, a podcast here at Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky, about faith and the 21st century. What does it mean to live as followers of Christ in a post-Christian society today? Each week, we're going to have the amazing opportunity to talk with people across the globe who are committed to walking through this life with Jesus and hear their thoughts and experiences of the Christian life in an ever-changing and hurting world. We hope that this encourages you and helps you in any way. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Welcome to Live It Out. I'm James Williams, lead pastor of Centenary Church, and each week we talk with some amazing Christian leaders around the world. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to review the podcast for us and subscribe so we can let you know about upcoming episodes. And today, I am so excited to have as this week's guest, Dr. Ben Witherington. He joined the Asbury Seminary faculty in Wilmore, Kentucky in 1995. And after teaching at Ashland Theological Seminary for over 10 years, he came to uh, work in Wilmore, and he has also taught at High Point College, Duke University Divinity School, as well as Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and he is a prolific author and New Testament scholar. Dr. Witherington has written more than 60 books, including commentaries on every book of the New Testament, and no doubt you have most likely at some point either seen him or heard him or experienced his work featured in places like Christianity Today Magazine, the History Channel, CNN, the Discovery Channel, the A&E Network, just to name a few. And his latest release is a book that has really ministered to me during the pandemic. It's called Who is God? A collection of meditations that explore the nature and the character of God, which is our topic today. Dr. Ben Witherington, welcome to Live It Out. Good to be with you. It's so good to have you. And I have to say again that this book appeared on my desk just in time during the pandemic. And I just have to ask you, um, as you say a bit about the book here in the beginning, Ben, what compelled you to release this work when you did? Because that was a, a difficult time in the world when that came out. Well, part of it came out of my frustration that most of the talk about God's character focused on adjectives. God is righteous. God is holy. God is merciful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera with very little discussion of the major nouns that are predicated of God in the Bible. God is love, God is life, God is light, God is spirit, and God is one. And I thought, you know, my old English teacher taught me long ago that nouns actually are more fundamental than adjectives. Why is there so little discussion of the nouns? So I sort of set out to you know, put the emphasis on the right syllable and say, let's explore these nouns and see what they tell us about the character of God. Absolutely. And you do that so well. One of the things I really want to ask you as we get into this discussion is, why did you dedicate this book to C.S. Lewis? Well, C.S. Lewis was my kind of sort of my spiritual hero from you know, B.C., before cell phone, all the way back to when I was in the MYF in high school in the 60s and began reading the first book I ever read at all that was really Christian in character was C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. 
And that sort of set me on a pilgrimage to read C.S. Lewis. And the thing is that if you really study Lewis, I mean, Lewis is not what you'd call a typical evangelical Protestant. He's he's not reformed. <laughs> he's he's not of a, a you know a, a particular denomination. He's sort of pan-Arminian, if I can put it that way. So he's closer to Wesley on the way he answers questions than he is would be to to Calvin or Luther. And um, and he's also an apology for Christianity. His book, Mere Christianity, uh, you know, was fundamental to me when I went off to college and we studied it in varsity. So I dedicated to C.S. Lewis because in some ways he was sort of my uh, hero of how to be an evangelical Christian that was uh, ecumenical and, and broad based but still very orthodox. Absolutely. And it's beautiful that you dedicate uh, this book to him. And it's so appropriate. As I read it, it uh, more and more made sense to me why why you did that, because I love C.S. Lewis as well. And as you said, the very first chapter is on God is love. And you really urge the reader, and you mentioned this earlier, to put more emphasis on the nouns predicated of God rather than the adjectives. Now, is that something that brings a a better meaning as we read the words of Scripture, Ben, or um, is that something you've just found personally helpful? Well, it's some of both, but more importantly, the big question, especially during a pandemic, is what in the world is the character of God? Is, is God some kind of gigantic cosmic meanie that has predestined everything to happen before the foundation of the universe, and we just have to come to grips with it as a result of that? And, you know, it, the more you study these nouns, the less that kind of argument is persuasive. You know, I, I, I just cringe when people say some things like, well, God gave me this cancer, so I'll just have to deal with it. You know, I'm going, no, no, we live in a fallen world and things like the pandemic are a result of human fallenness and are not a sort of God is sending lightning bolts in our direction to blight us. Uh, I mean, think about the ministry of Jesus for a minute. He didn't come into the world to say, you know, let's see how bad we can make it. He came in to, to heal people and to reconcile people and bring people back into close relationship with God, with a God who is love. So what's really at stake, especially when so many things are going wrong in the world, is who is God and, and what in the world is his essential character? And my answer to that is let's start with God is love. And when, and when you do that, well, that just changes the whole orientation of the picture. For example, I mean, love is not something that can be coerced or compelled. Uh, Love is not something that can be predetermined. If the essence of the gospel is love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself, and even love your enemies, and God himself is love, well, then that says something fundamental about how we relate to God. Our relationship to God is 
is not like a relationship between a magnet and iron filings. It's a personal relationship with someone who loves us so deeply that he sent his only begotten son to save us. Now, that should change the whole way we look at God and living in a fallen world. That, that should just change the whole ethos of the way we look at God. That's so helpful. That's so helpful because I think one of the issues that we struggle with in the church today is seeing God and believing in God, but seeing him as an entity that's somewhere out there. Um, but this is so helpful to think about it in this way. And and the book is Who is God? Meditations on the Character of God. You can find it in your local bookstore. You can find it on Amazon and other places online. It's published by Lexham Press. That's L-E-X-H-A-M, Lexham Press. And you will be blessed by this uh, really beautiful book that Dr. Ben Witherington has released um, in the last year. And Dr. Witherington, um, it's it's really interesting to me, as as I read through the book, I kept coming back to this, and uh, it, it's it, the God of the Bible is not only living, and that's what you were just talking about. He's a God who is always there. The same God that promised never to leave us or forsake us is is the God that we're really talking about. He's the same God of the Old Testament. And it's impossible to discuss the living God without discussing God as spirit. And Christians commonly try to do this, don't they? Oh, they do, you know. And, and I mean, if you have a conversation, for example, with a Mormon, I mean, of course, they are so confused about this that, that if you read the Book of Mormon, Mormons believe that for God to be fully realized, he needed to have a body, which is why the incarnation happened. God was incomplete until God took on a body and that uh, those anthropomorphic images in the Old Testament of God's nose or God's arm and all that. Well, they're actually literal. God, God the Father already has a body in heaven. And and I'm going, no, <laughs> no, God is fundamentally different than human beings. He does not need a body to exist. Not at all. God is spirit. And that being the case, he's wholly other, as various theologians would put it. He's fundamentally different from us. He's the creator of all things who even makes something out of nothing. And, and so... He's not just exactly like us, but he chose to become like us through the incarnation of his son in order to redeem us. And and that's a whole different proposition. He's not inherently like us. Absolutely. Well, now, Ben, this is only a 30-minute program, but I have to get to this. And I was really drawn in by your pointing to this kind of self-sacrificial love. It's so very different from the kind of love God's had in the pagan world, as the pagans speak about their many gods. And one of your main points is real love must also be free. How did you relate this to predestination? That was fascinating to me. Well, the thing about predestination is that if we look at Romans 8, 28, which is one of the big proof texts about this and what follows it. What it actually says is God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to purpose. And then it says after that, 
And then it says, for those who love God, he destined in advance to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, that's a whole different ballgame than saying God predestined some to be saved and some to be lost. No, what we're being told is that God has a wonderful plan for Christians to be conformed to the image of his son. But the prerequisite is those who love God, which he did not predetermine. Love was freely given to us and freely responded to. And it's those folks that he is destined to be conformed to the image of his son, even to the point of raising us from the dead and conforming us bodily to the image of Christ, as well as internally. Absolutely. And and I need to ask, too, do you recommend that someone sit down with this book? Because I, I did, I've done it both ways, and I, I, I'd like to know what you would really suggest to read it devotionally, like a daily devotion, or to, to read it straight through? Well, I, you know, I, we set up reflection questions. One of my doctoral students, Joy Bond, did it, uh, the reflection questions. And we set it up so that you would um, not consume this like fast food. You would sort of chew on it chapter by chapter and reflect on it and meditate on it. And maybe even pray about it and ask yourself, did I really realize this was the character of God before now? And if so, what difference does it make to my life? So this book was set up in such a way that you're not supposed to sort of just race through it. Now, I do think it's good to do an initial read right through and then go back and slowly work through it chapter by chapter. Well, I was able to actually enjoy it more, I think, doing it devotionally. I used it daily and and did some journaling around it, and it was so very helpful. And, you know, I always pay attention just very closely, Ben, to those who are courageous enough to speak to the evils and the sufferings we face in this world. And you tackle this in the book, and it's an important theological issue for us, the problem of evil, if you will. And if God is loving and all-powerful, what about natural disasters like we just saw in our state here in eastern Kentucky or other evils in this world? Yeah. Well, first of all, don't ask the insurance companies because they're all going to say it's an act of God. (laughs) That's right. Point number one, they are not theologians. Secondly, and, and more importantly, Look at what the scriptures actually say. My my favorite illustration of this is the story of of Elijah in 1 Kings uh, 18 and 19. And, you know, there's the famous story about Elijah is threatened by Jezebel, and he's decided he there's no profit in being a prophet anymore. So he's running for his life. He runs through Israel all the way through Judea to Beersheba. He leaves his servant in the Holy Land, goes off into the desert and asks to die. And uh, and by the way, when he prays to die, God doesn't answer his prayer at the point of his request. He answers his prayer at the point of his need. He provides food and drink so he can make a spiritual pilgrimage all the way to Mount Sinai or Horeb. And when he's there, he has these incredible experiences. There's a there's a fire. And then the text says, but God was not in the fire. There was an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. Storms. God was not in the storm. How could you discern God's will? Not by looking at nature. 
but by listening to the still small voice. Now, there you have it. You can't discern the will of God by looking at a fallen or broken world and said, saying, God did this. You want to discern the will of God, you have to know the word of God. You need to read the special revelation, not just reflect on the latest weather forecast. And, and you know, the other side of this, which is that most of our natural disasters are, are not inherently evil. It's just that human beings are in the way of them. Hmm. You know, I mean, if there's an earthquake in Antarctica, nobody's hurt. <laughs> and we don't start talking about evil. Hmm. So the truth of the matter is that God is, is not sitting up there saying, okay, who shall we send a tornado to this week? This is not happening. Um, it, these are natural disasters as part of a fallen world. And if we want to blame anybody, we could blame ourselves for messing up the climate, among other things. Right. That's right. And, and that's, a, that's a great point. And, but I've heard pastors in the past, and you've heard this too, clergy people, Ben, uh, maybe when there is a natural disaster, they may even try to relate it to um, certain things and certain sins that are going on in the world. And that's, that's, that's way off, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was in Minneapolis, and there's a famous minister in Minneapolis who had a radio uh, broadcast who shall remain nameless. And after there was this huge collapse of an overpass down onto a highway beneath it in downtown Minneapolis, this particular minister got on the radio and said, well, yes, we should grieve with those who grieve and we should mourn with those who mourn. But at the end of the day, this was God's will for their life. At that point, I'm screaming at the radio. No, it wasn't. If anything, it's human error in the way they built the bridge. Thank you very much. And so, you know, you're absolutely right. Ministers often say things that they should not say about those kinds of things, you know. I mean, personally, I've had this happen to me. When our daughter died suddenly from a pulmonary embolism 10 years ago, and people came to the funeral, they said things like, well, God just needed another angel. And I immediately said, no, he didn't. That's not why this happened. God didn't finally just decide to do that to our 32-year-old daughter. No, there was a flaw in her heart and in what's going on in her life, we are all fallen creatures subject to disease, decay, and death. And that's been true all the way back to Adam. You know, I mean, the answer to to all of this is we don't need more bad theology when it comes to natural disasters or diseases. We need the gospel that says that Jesus is the great physician. And the reason resurrection is so important is he's intending to do away with death, do away with disease, do away with decay, and create a new creation for all of us. Absolutely. And that's the nature and the character of God. And the book is Who is God? Meditations on the character of God. And I hope if you're listening today that you'll pick this up. It's a great book for a gift, but it's also really wonderful if you just want to study a little bit. It's a short book, but it's a it's a marvelous book full of 
great knowledge and information. So I'm excited about um, you actually using that in the coming days, and I hope that you'll you'll take a look at that. Well, Ben, what else are you doing right now? You are you are a man on the move, and I'm always amazed by uh, the projects that you you keep juggling in the air, but you do it all so well. What are some things you're working on right now? Well, right now, I'm mainly swallowed whole by having 57 doctoral students in our biblical studies PhD program. (laughs) And so, you know, at this phase of my ministry, I'm mostly trying to help get them through the program and help find their ministries, uh, whether teaching or in local church. And, you know, so that's really the focus of of what I'm doing. Uh, But I I do continue to have a few little writing projects uh, along the way. The most exciting thing that happened to me this fall was that one of my two of my friends, one former doctoral student and one good friend from Baylor, Todd Still, went out and recruited 16 top New Testament scholars to write a feshrift for me, which is a collection mm-hmm. of essays in honor of somebody's accomplishments or birthday. This was in honor of my 70th birthday, which is next week. And it was a complete shock. They gave me the evidence that this is going to come out in the spring. And, and, you know, this is not something I have done. This is something that was done to honor my contributions to New Testament studies over the years. And I was in shock. I, I never anticipated that would ever happen. And, and yet it has happened and Fortress Press will publish it in the spring. And so, you know, I, I feel like uh, at least from the evaluation of my peers that, my work has not been for naught, that yes. I have done something that honors God and, and helps human beings along the way and promotes the church. And that was my intent all along. Well, I appreciate your work so much. And I know so many listening to the podcast today, uh, they do as well. And uh, one of the gifts, I think, to the church right now, especially in the midst of all that we're dealing with um, in in really churches everywhere, but especially the denomination that you and I are part of and love so much. Um, You're also, I I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but you're a clergy person in the United Methodist Church. And uh, I think a gift to the church right now is your blog. Tell Tell us the web address for your blog, Ben. Well, the title of the blog is Bible and Culture, and it's on the Papios uh, website. That The easy way to get to it is through my own personal website, which is benw3.com. Uh, you can easily get to my blog right on the front page of my website. It'll take you right to the Bible and Culture. It's a daily blog that I, I do things that I, I hope that will be of, of general use or help to any kind of reader, both Christian and non-Christian along the way. And, uh, and you know, it's it's a labor of love. Uh, I'm, I'm not making vast sums of money from it. I'm just doing it as a ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. It gives me something to do uh, and, and help uh, even people that I will never personally know or meet. Well, it absolutely is. And, and that is can be found on the Pathos site and you yeah. can look it up that way or benw3.org correct no benw3.com www.benw3.com benw3.com so i hope that you'll take a look at that well again the book is who is god meditations 
on the character of God. Again, you can find that in your local bookstore or Amazon or some places online. It's published by Lexham Press, and you will be blessed by this small but very powerful work from Dr. Ben Witherington. Ben, thank you again for joining us today. My pleasure. And again, thank you for listening today. God bless you. Keep praying and keep the faith. Live it out. Faith and the 21st Century is a production of Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Join lead pastor James Williams each week as we engage Christian leaders around the world. Be sure to subscribe today and leave a review of our podcast. To connect with us further, visit our website at lexchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining you next week. Until then, love one another and live it out.